Hey everyone, so welcome to the first episode of Whiskey, Grits, and Honey for 2022. I am here with my awesome friend, Kendall. Kendall has launched her first business. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about her business today. Um, we're also going to talk about some tips for making resolutions and making small changes. So Kendall, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Corey. I'm excited. Yeah, thank you. So tell us a little about yourself, short bio, um, and how you got into coaching. Yeah, so... Um... Thinking about the interesting parts of my life to include, I just decided my bio would be only things that were 100% relevant um, to, to you and your show and listeners, Corey, okay? Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you can test me on this. So I grew up in the suburbs outside of Richmond, which is Corey Williams' favorite city. <laughs> and Always. I went to school in Pennsylvania, a state that I don't know if Corey Williams has been to. I have. Awesome. <laughs> two for two. Um, I went to a Brethren Heritage College. Brethren are kind of like Baptists in practice, except um, they believe in pacifism, which is you shouldn't fight wars. And that kind of blew my Christianity wide open. Um, and then I, for grad school, went to seminary in Corey Williams' favorite city, Richmond. Um, and I got a Master of Divinity, which is kind of like a degree for people who want to be Christian ministers. Um, and then after I got my Master of Divinity, I went to work at Corey Williams College, Abert University, which is when our lives finally intersected. Um, I was the director of the Christian Student Union, of which Corey, a student, was a member. And um, I can't remember if the whole time I was there, Corey was an officer, but at some point while I worked at Abert, Corey was an officer. We are, I think, eight for eight. Awesome. Good. <laughs> that means you liked the pacifism piece because that didn't directly involve you. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree with that. <laughs> when Corey Williams graduated from Averett University, um, he left Danville and likewise, I left Averett. And so while Corey was in Richmond, his favorite city, going to Tabernacle Baptist, I was um, working for some lawyers and learning how to actually have an organizational system. Um, and then Corey and I had a pivotal phone call and then Corey moved back and built Rivertown while working at a bank and occasionally hanging out with me. Um, crucially, Corey's pivotal experience at the Middle Border Forward Fellowship um, happened a year after I started my job at Middle Border Forward, where I worked for five years in community and leadership development. Um, and then in June, with all the upheaval in the pandemic, I left my job to start my coaching company and stay in contact dreaming and scheming with Corey Williams about the future of our beloved adopted city, Danville. I love it. I think it's 11 of 11, but who cares? You get an A plus 100% like nailed it. <laughs> yes. Awesome. I have to say, I really enjoyed orienting my life around Corey. That was, most people that do. was very fun. And I'll keep doing <laughs> it in the future. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, thank you for that awesome bio, Kendall. So what inspired you aside from the pandemic and, you know, me not being a part of MBF anymore, um, what inspired you to start your business? Corey, am I allowed to curse on your podcast? Absolutely. Okay. So what inspired me to start my business was two mouthy bitches on podcasts. Okay. So for like six or seven years, I've been listening to a true crime podcast called My Favorite Murder. Um, I'm sure most people have heard of it. It's rather popular. And one of the hosts went from idea to starting that podcast without much of a plan and much fear because her grandma always told her, 
well, Georgia, bigger dummies than you have done it. Whatever the thing was, like she grew up just whatever she was afraid of, her grandma would tell her, well, bigger dummies than you. So that script had been in my mind for years, just passively from listening to My Favorite Murder, which has become a hugely successful podcast, right? And just a big reason that got off the ground was because someone's grandma said, bigger dummies than you. And then around the start of the pandemic, I started listening to a podcast called Self Helpless, which is a self-help podcast hosted by three female comedians. Um, and one of them spun off into entrepreneurship and she had an entrepreneur podcast that I listened to just because I liked her. Her name's Delaney Fisher. Um, her, she calls herself a creative entrepreneur. She ended up quitting her job to paint dick pics on mugs. Um, so she, people would send her a photograph and she would make a caricature, but as a phallus and she would paint it onto a coffee mug. It was called Dicks by Delaney. And she ended up being so success, successful with that, that she was able to quit a corporate job with benefits in four months. And so now she's an entrepreneurship coach. And so her podcast, the intro was, if I can make a living selling dick pics, you can make a living doing whatever you want. And those two, like, be careful what you listen to, Corey, and like everyone, be really careful what you immerse yourself in because it will get into your brain without you realizing it. Um, I was late diagnosed with ADHD. Um, for a lot of women, ADHD gets undiagnosed and we're fine in school, but after the structure of school, we just are tailspin out of control in our lives. Um, and that was me. And I, I never would have pursued entrepreneurship on purpose because I never would have thought I'd be able to manage myself well enough to keep my head above water. Uh, much less to thrive. So the idea that I would leave a job to do my own thing, I, honestly, like just listening to these interesting creative people, women on podcasts who stumbled into what they did just by following one step after another and being brave, it fucking made an impact on me without me realizing it. And as I was um, just continually not satisfied with my job and changing what I could and still not satisfied. And I just kept hearing these two phrases in my mind, bigger dummies than you. And if Delaney can make a living selling dick pics, you can make a living doing whatever you want. That is like, so, so that's <laughs> what inspired me, Corey, mouthy bitches on podcasts with really good mantras. Because bigger dummies in the past have done it. <laughs> bigger dummies. Good God. Look, everyone, look around you. I promise bigger dummies than you. Yes. I promise. <laughs> so quick sidebar. Um, you had mentioned like women uh, being diagnosed like later in life with ADHD. I've noticed a lot of women like coming to this revelation. Do you think that's why mm. in school, like so many women have got the comments like too talkative or get sidetracked or like things like that? Like because Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so ADHD is pretty mischaracterized. It, mm -hmm. A better word for it would be executive function disorder. So your okay. your executive functioning, it, because it's not just attention. Um, executive functioning is everything that helps you plan, start, and finish what okay. you need to do. Yeah. It's kind of it's like the uh, it's like the teacher in a classroom, right? So without the teacher or without the conductor in an orchestra, it's just a bunch of parts that are never gonna work synchronistically. Yes. Right, exactly, utter chaos. 
um, there's a kid eating glue and a kid flipping the lights on and off and someone's under their desk and like someone's climbing out a window, right? That's like an ADHD brain. Um, Literally my classroom today. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't believe it. Um, so there's the recognized, two recognized subtypes are, are hyperactive and inattentive. Everyone has an image, I think, of the hyperactive. It is the typically little boy who can't sit still. It's the jittery person. Mm-hmm. Um, but the inattentive ADHD is the space cadet, the daydreamer. Um, and typically boys are in the hyperactive side and girls are in the inattentive side. Not always, but typically. And so, yes, girls... When you see a little girl who is a daydreamer space cadet, it could be an early sign of ADHD. It gets underdiagnosed in young girls, even when like too talkative, like you said, too talkative, space dreamer, um, even when those things are noticed, it doesn't, it doesn't get like people's clinical attention. And the theory is because girls are compliant, like girls are less likely to be troublemakers. Gotcha. And so they are less likely to be diagnosed. And I would assume conversely that because boys, if boys are more likely to be troublemakers or it might just be the typical structure of school often does not work for boys, um, that I would wonder if they're also getting overdiagnosed with things. That makes perfect sense because even like the aggression, like boys having to be dominant, like things like that, like, yes, that's pretty true for like a lot of cases, but I wonder if it is just like that mixed diagnosis of, ADHD and other like mental disorders and stuff. Wow, mm-hmm. lovely side more. Um, so tell us more about your business. Uh, try one thing, uh, what inspired like the name? Like uh, what are some services you offer? Yeah, try one thing. So as I was developing the business, the brand, I was, you know, everything is about, you're supposed to have a niche, you're supposed to have a narrow focus. And so um, I was thinking a lot about ADHD and being an adult with late diagnosed ADHD. Mm-hmm. By the time I, so I, I was 25 when I was diagnosed and it answered a lot of questions, um, like essentially why can't I do anything right? Um, or at least that's how it felt to me. I felt like I couldn't do anything right, get anything done on time, um, making phone calls or sending emails, like fits of terror over having to do that. Um, last minute on everything and always feeling like I was just scraping by. Um, You know, I was in such a hole when I was diagnosed that even though it answered some questions, it didn't get me out of the hole. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff on how to self-improve or self-actualize, it's kind of like hope and faith is a prerequisite for it. And when you have no hope, a lot of self-help is just like, oh, okay, well, that's for people who aren't broken already. And I'm not just broken, but the pieces have been shattered and smashed and are dust. So I don't know that your bottle of glue is really applicable here. Because again, I'm just, I'm, I'm a pile of dust. Totally. Really dog is peed on. <laughs> so May of the pandemic, or 2020, um, I started seeing a therapist and I was diagnosed with an adjustment disorder. And very similar to what you were saying, like, it felt like I was just pouring self-help into almost like a black hole. Like there was like no substance. There was just like a void. And then like this simple, oh, well, you just have an adjustment disorder. Just like completely brightened the room and gave hope and faith and things like all the things that you have mentioned. That makes me wonder, have you, and maybe we'll get into this later. um, I, a lot of what has driven where I am going with my business and 
wanting to help people is that um, so much advice did not apply to me and was in fact just felt like another hammer hitting me over the head. Like, um, have you found advice that works for you? What, what did you say you have? Uh, it's an adjustment uh, disorder. Adjustment yeah. disorder. Yeah. So like, do you, do you find that a lot of generic advice does not address you? Absolutely. And it got down to like organizational skills. So it's like, it's not that you can't handle the problem. It's just that the problem's so great. You don't know how to like break it up. And so you get overwhelmed, stressed. And I think the official title is like adjustment disorder with uh, like depressive episodes or anxiety and depression, something like mm-hmm. that. So it's just that, okay. oh, you're so overwhelmed, but you just don't know how to break up the problem. It's not that you can't, you have the tools. It's just that you don't know how to use the tools or like what order the tools go in. Okay, gotcha. So have you been able to find stuff that is applicable to you? Or oh, absolutely. To yeah. you? Including coaching, which like yeah. a lot of stuff, like it's just, okay, you have to do it, but this is the steps, this is the orders that you need to do. Like you're not lost, but these are the steps you need to know how to get there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, good yeah. for you. I'm glad you figured <laughs> that out. Yeah, thank you. So um, what are some, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. So uh, re- try one thing. Um, because I was in such a hole when I got diagnosed, um, literally the only thing I could do was try not to lose my car keys. Like that was a months long project was don't lose your car keys. And that little win from finally never locking myself out again of my house or one or being in public and not knowing where my keys were, um, just that little win gave me enough of like a self-esteem boost and like a power up like a video game to then try something a little bit more, like go to the gym twice a week. Um, and so things built off of that from trying one thing at a time. Um, and it was the first, I don't know, couple of years of my mental health journey. None of it was based on optimism or belief or hope or yeah. uh, manifesting shit. It was just crawling along with bloody fingernails. and like, well, I stopped losing my car keys. And I made myself go to the gym. So maybe now I can also read a book in a year. Wow. So is there like an order to like setting these intentions and goals? Or is it just like, this is the thing, the next thing on my list to do, um, regardless of how like tedious the task is or whatever, I just need to do this. Um, for the mental health journey, it was, I think the car keys thing was that it was critical. Like it's pretty important okay. to not lose your keys. And also oh, there's probably a simple solution here that like doesn't involve feelings, you know? So like my rule is when I come into my house, what, when I, my keys, the only places they ever touch are my hands, a lock or my purse. Like keys may never be like, no matter what else I'm holding and like need to set down or even drop and break, like the key, if it is not in my hand is in a door (laughs) and even actually it doesn't leave my hand. So my keys are only ever two places, my hand or my purse always hard fast rule so I think I started with that because it was a critical issue and like oh there was kind of a simple solution to that simple just needed to be consistent with it and I think from there um for these big like overarching mental health goals it was it was importance feasibility and interest so um I you know what going to the gym was I had read that six months of regular exercise is as effective as six months of antidepressants Wow. That's not medical advice. Obviously. Yeah. 
you know, in studies, it's like for 80% of people, it was 60% as effective or something like that. But it was enough that like, okay, my brain is in the gutter. If six months of exercise can help my brain, that's a good thing. So that's why that was the next thing. And I think um, that gave me enough energy that, well, I like to read. I just never do um, to then start reading. And then at that point, you know, just life because of, because of how change and improvement is cumulative, like all of these things were adding to each other and, um, rebuilding my like interior sense of self enough that the next goal was, uh, the, the graph, you know, the graph got steeper. So I was able to start new goals sooner and add them to like the previous practices I was doing, but you might've meant like, how do I choose how to prioritize smaller kind of but they kind of answered it like it just seems like it was almost like the net the next natural okay I've accomplished this this was uh one small thing so the next small thing is okay so going to the gym let's see if I can accomplish this task okay now that I have the brain power to do that now I can read a book like it's almost all connected in some weird strange and beautiful thing I think so I think some might call it mm, a flywheel Oh. Just don't use that term in a in a classroom. Poor oh, Williams will slap the words out of your mouth. Oh, gosh, Kendall knows that I hate the whole like flywheel method with education, uh, but that is a separate. Podcast. Some things are mechanistic. Just let's not talk about children that way. Yeah, Fair yeah. enough. Especially in conditions I don't want school though. But <laughs> so, uh, what have been some bright spots and landmines of being an entrepreneur? And I got those keywords from you when you recommended the book uh, "Love Where You Live." So thank you for that. Sweet. I'm so glad. I wouldn't have thought bright. I wouldn't have thought that was from love where you live. Um, I remember learning about bright spots in the book switch, making change when change is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But if those are also in love where you live, that's great. That's a book recommendation. I read (laughs) books now. Glad you do too. (laughs) (laughs) I think the, the bright spots has been, I think it happened in the right time in my life. So things that I learned at previous jobs about how I function, um, I've gotten to apply and that's been really fun. Um, I think, all right, let me start with one landmine um, and you you might resonate with this, finding good advice and then also deciding when not to use it. That has been, that's been a potential landmine. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, um, one of those that doesn't really like disappear, you know, it's like, yeah, you're diffused right. a little bit. Yeah. Or you don't feel the impact of it so much, but it's just like, it's still there. Exactly. Um, you know, what I want to do with coaching. Okay. So there's models for coaching and there's models for building a coaching business. Um, but I, I think for any industry that you are trying to break into, there are people that know the industry and then there are people that sell the industry. So yeah, like a job coach, uh, a resume coach, or uh, someone that, you know, says they're a resume building professional. Well, they might have a very successful business on building resumes, but that doesn't mean that their resume building is going to get you a job. Like they might be very good at like, so there's like a lot of people you can pay to help them to take their advice on how to build your coaching business. Sure. Just because they've gotten successful building a business, helping people build coaching businesses, doesn't mean that their advice will help you build a coaching business that's successful. Does that make sense? That does. Again, like education, like, yes, there are models and like techniques that you can use, but you can't cookie cutter kids to like fit this model. Like it's so, uh, yeah. (laughs) Children, you don't fit into the model. You're fucking up. Yes, exactly. (laughs) One of my favorite phrases is, 
it's easier to change the system than change the user. Ooh, human-centered design. <laughs> yes, but, and it's human-centered without asking the humans to change because the user is the human. So the example I use is, um, it's easier to change the system than to change the user. Microsoft computers wants to change the user. Like you as a user need to know how to use a computer. Apple, what made them so innovative was they were like, we don't expect you to know how to use a computer. We're going to build a computer that you know how to use. Oh, wow. So change the system, change the user is make the user know how to use a computer. Change the system is make a computer that users know how to use. That's super intriguing. Wow. So that's probably why you are such a good teacher is because change the user would be, well, these students are messing up by not connecting with this learning. Change the system is, okay, we need to use a different method. We need to use a different program. Exactly. You can't build on sand, so you might as well set the foundation first and then build from there. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, it's the beginning of the year. People are setting, like, intentions and goals and resolutions. Um, what are your opinions on, like, New Year's resolutions and kind of the beginning of the year goal setting being a, a coach? Yes. So, when I was thinking about that question, I thought of a Bible verse and I, I was thinking, is it, it's when Jesus was, before he was going to be crucified, but um, at context for anyone listening, so this is Christianity, the New Testament, I'm Protestant, Corey's Protestant. Um, don't want to presume that everyone is a Protestant Christian. <laughs> Corey's giving me the woo signs. Yes, um, inclusivity. <laughs> so crucifixion was the pivotal event for like Christian faith. And so before the crucifixion, Jesus is getting himself to Jerusalem, where it's going to happen. And I could not remember if the Bible verse was Jesus had resolved for Jerusalem or Jesus had set his face towards Jerusalem. It's actually both. So the, um, a typical like modern English translation, and this is from, if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter nine, I'm going to be starting at verse 51. King's James um, only. Like, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> we're going to disagree there. Oh, absolutely. Poetic, but not accurate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the New International Version says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem resolutely resolve resolution but a more um closer to the original text translation and you know one of the things one of the problems you have with any translation is idioms um or folk folk phrases uh what do we call those not folk phrases uh folk tales uh fables um, um idiomatic phrases uh you know that don't that don't mean what they literally say they mean like skin of your teeth oh uh so Idioms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, idioms. Yeah. Metaphors. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So any translator has to decide, like, do you literally do you translate the idiom? Do you try and capture the meaning of the idiom? Or do you just use an entirely different word that gets at the same thing? So the idiomatic phrase for that verse is Jesus set his face. So we've got the New International Version says Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The idiomatic one is Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. And I a, just love the idea of set your face. 
to like mean resolutely. Because when I say, when I hear like Jesus resolutely do something, I think of like, okay, so he was getting ready for a board meeting. He had all his papers in order. Um, cool. When I think Jesus set his face, I'm thinking of something that is mind, body, and spirit. And very, um, there is an internal peace, but also an internal like steel setting. Like I want everyone to picture like you are walking, you're walking a hard path that you have chosen, but you know it is hard, but you're determined and nothing will take you off of it. And you have set your face towards it. Like, can't you like picture that like, like your cheeks are tight, like your eyes might be squinted, like your, your yeah, mouth might be a firmer line. Yeah. yeah, set his face. And so the whole rest of this section, um, he goes into enemy territory and he keeps going. And um, someone comes up to him and says, I'm going to go wherever you go. And Jesus says, and Christians, you may have heard this verse, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another man comes up and Jesus says, follow me. And the man says, Lord, let me go bury my dead father. And Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So sorry to, sorry to make this a sermon, Corey. No, um, okay. I encourage you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jesus, so we, we already know at the beginning of the story that Jesus resolutely resolved resolution. He has set his face towards this fate that he's chosen. And then all of these potential distractions come in front of him. And he, what does he do with them? Someone says, well, wait, what was the first one? Oh, I want to, I want to go where you go. And Jesus is like, well, foxes have holes and birds have nests. I have nowhere to go. Right. Like someone's offering to follow Jesus. And he's like, well, you sure you where want that? Going? You know? <laughs> yeah. Someone says, I will follow you, but my father's died. Let me bury him. And Jesus says, no let the dead bury the dead holy shit what does that even mean are is jesus talking about zombies it's probably metaphorical but still that's strong language let the dead bury the dead he is saying yeah. this to a grieving son um and someone else says well first let me say goodbye to my family and jesus says if you look backwards you're not for me so resolution Right. So the reason I brought this story up is because one of the translations is that Jesus resolutely set out. He resolute, resolve, resolution. I think at New Year's time, people have general ideas about what they would like their life to be. And so they put it into a sentence and they call it a resolution. If that story of Jesus and how how determined he was, how, how set his face was, the things he turned down and said no to. If that resonates with you and your New Year's resolution, awesome. I think you should go deep and hard with that. <laughs> um, be extreme. Set your face towards your Jerusalem, whatever it is. And if you need permission, um, the highest prophet of Christianity told a grieving son, don't bury your dad because my thing is more important. So if that resonates with you, if that gives you chills, like go and do likewise, be that set on your path that you're willing to tell people no, 
even in really extreme ways. No. Yeah. If that story is just like, whoa, hey, huh? <laughs> I like wanted to get a little bit healthier in 2022. It's COVID. <laughs> Things are hard for everyone. I'm not going to tell someone not to go to a funeral. Like, uh, yeah. Bit tone deaf these days, don't you think? Right? If that's you, that's cool too. For you, let's not use the word resolution. Um, let's not even use the word goal. Normally, the other 11 months of the year, I love goals. That is my language. But during New Year's Eve time, like it just gets, the waters get so muddy. So um, if you just have a general idea of what you would like life to be like next year for you, we're already in 2022. So this year. Um, I would encourage that you stop thinking of it as a resolution and think in terms of a habit. What is a habit you can build? So if you've got a general idea of, I wanna be healthier next year. Okay, cool. Healthier, like in what category? More sleep, better sleep, eat less, eat more, eat better, exercise more. Like what's your, what's your general category that you wanna improve in? And once you have that, make a small habit out of it. So um, if it was like, okay, when I say I want to get healthier this year, what I mean is I guess I need to sleep better. Okay. So pick one habit. It might be like 930. I need to stop using my phone. So 930, I plug my phone in, in a different room, right? Like that's something, once you get over the initial, like <gasps> my phone's not in front of me. Once you get over that, once you like find a replacement activity, like reading a book or knitting or playing with your dog at 930, um, you can make that habit. Like that's a habit you can do every day. If you decide that, okay, I want to be healthier this year. And I think that means like, I shouldn't be eating as much. Okay. Get a smaller plate. Every time you eat a meal, pick a one size smaller plate. Like that is a buildable, sustainable habit. So yeah. New Year's resolutions. Um, either be like Jesus and set your face to your fucking thing and tell people no. The son of God said no, so I can say no, right? Like resolutely set your face like that or build a habit. Just simplify your thing down to something very, very small that you can do every day and build a habit. That actually answers this question and the next question I have. Uh, if you want to add to it, but it's what are some tips that you have for making small changes, which you've already given us like such profound like advice with that. <laughs> Yay! Um, well, a lot of what works for me does come down to habit. And when I uh, coach people, if possible, this doesn't always work. Um, but if possible, whatever their goal is, can we make a habit around it? Because then you, that takes out, um, habits are automatic. And so you're not having to think, plan and decide, you just do it. That's how habits work. So I do like building habits whenever possible. Um, another way making small changes, um, do, 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 let me look at my list. Um, a question I like to ask myself, if dear listeners, if you're like me and you enjoy overcomplicating things and if perfectionism really messes you up, um, a question you can ask yourself, and I'm joining in the chorus, I have to ask myself this like once a week, once a day, what would this look like if it were easy? That is like my shortcut, get out the bullshit question. Um, and I love, I love asking myself this and I love asking people this when we're stuck because 
usually it gets answered in a huff, sarcastically. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the answer's wrong. So like, you know, what, um, what would this look like if it were easy? Well, I would just send it to them in a text. This is a conversation I've had with me um, at Middle Border Forward when I thought I had to do everything the perfect professional way. And like, I was having trouble getting something done that involved other people. And so I asked myself, well, Kendall, what would this look like if it were easy? And I snapped at myself. Well, I would just send her a text. Oh, okay. but why don't I? Because <laughs> it's not professional. Okay, well, your thing not happening will also not be professional. So I don't know, why don't you just send a text and you have her number because she already texts you about work. So the person you're thinking of wouldn't even mind it. And there we go, problem solved, because I asked myself, what would this look like if it were easy? Um, build a habit if you can. And if you don't know where to start with something, ask yourself, what would this look like if it were easy? Awesome. Well, Kindle has- Can given I give you three more hot tips that are absolutely. shorter than that? Yeah. Okay, try and, get, <laughs> try and get two minutes, at least, of sun exposure as soon as you get up. Um, your eyeballs are like an externalized part of your brain. Your brain doesn't know it's daylight until your eyeballs encounter lumens. Uh, the lights inside have some lumens, not nearly as much as the sun. Like the lumens from the sun on a cloudy day are way more than like the brightest indoor light. Um, so daylight savings time does fuck us all up. But if possible, as soon as it, the sooner you can get some sunlight exposure to your eyeballs after you wake up, um, the quicker your body is going to realize it is time to stop making melatonin, the sleepy hormone, and start making cortisol, the let's get up and go hormone. Um, cortisol gets a bad rap because it's sometimes part of this, the stress response, like your cortisol spikes when you've got fight or flight. Mm -hmm. uh, spikes aren't great, but cortisol is the like get you going throughout your day hormone. So you want melatonin to stop, cortisol to start. So sunlight exposure as soon as possible when you wake up. Tip two, um, try and avoid caffeine for the first 60 to 90 minutes after you wake up. Your body is clearing stuff out when you're first waking up and getting your sunlight exposure. Um, and caffeine actually interferes with that system and is going to keep you from getting as refreshed by the caffeine because it's going to stop your body's natural system. So have some tea or like water or something when you first wake up and like wait a good hour and a half to have your first cup of coffee, it will actually make the boost from that coffee more effective. And my third tip is put a few drops of peppermint extract in your coffee, just a few drops. You won't really notice the taste, but it'll cut down on coffee breath after. Wow, incredible tips. <laughs> like, I think those are something like things that like universally, like whether your goal is go to the gym or read that book or to remember your car keys like it's definitely helpful and useful like across the board so thank you thank you Woo! those are free yeah, yeah. from like an awesome coach um and Corey, i'm gonna text you for your address so i can drop some peppermint oil on your steps please <laughs> so um as we begin to wrap up again like kindle is phenomenal and like your the method that you do like your coaching sessions like i love that during the holidays you had like a what was it just like a five minute chat, like how to mentally prepare for like family, like during the holidays, um, you've done plenty of deals and stuff. How can we book you, follow you, contact you? 
Yeah, thank you. Um, that five minute thing, I no one ended up taking me up on it. I was really hoping someone would. I was just offering 10 minutes actually of, I will listen to you stream of consciousness rant about your crazy family and I will just tell you that you're right. And it well, seems like, why would anyone pay for that? And I guess, you know, experience bore out that no one took me up on it, but come on. How often have you tried to bitch and rant about something and then someone wants to come at you with the other side or logic and you're like, you know, that's not really what we're doing right now. And we're the just, ironic, just, mm, go ahead. The ironic thing is, people are always like, "Oh, well, no one's going to pay to me listen to me complain." Like, yes, here it is. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Look, you need to get out the the just ranting about bullshit before you're willing to like look at solutions, right? And sometimes you don't want solutions with your family. You just want someone to hear you say the thing that your mom just did. Yeah, like, I cannot believe she brought that up again. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, on a, on a normal basis, I do, um, I do coaching. Um, you can get in touch with me at my website, try one thing.co. So try O N E the, uh, spell out one, try one thing.co. And, um, I've got a blog with a lot of tips and tricks that I've learned about, um, functioning over the years. And there's a tab for coaching. You can get in contact with me there. We can have a free, um, intro call to see if coaching is right for you. Um, I think just to let everyone know my format so that you know it's not intimidating, I do a 30 minute session and it ends with you picking an action step that works for you that you can get done in one week. And then I will be checking in with you for external accountability for uh, your action step getting done. And the reason you have a one week timeline is that uh, A, deadlines make people more likely to do things and B, I'm about simplicity, like make the goal so small that you can trip over it. If you only have a week to do something that just naturally cuts back on making it needlessly complicated. And everyone that I have coached, all their action steps are completely different because everyone has come with completely different things they want to work on. Coaching is for anything that you want to start or stop or improve or change in your life. Um, it's not the same as therapy. It can be a good complement to therapy. Therapy is focused on, I think a, a, a very simplified way to look at it is therapy focuses on the past and why things happened. Uh, coaching focuses on the future and what you want to happen going forward. Um, so I, I tried to, I remember what it was like to be so overwhelmed and in the hole that I could do nothing until I could just not lose my car keys. <laughs> and that was a six month process. So um, I want this to be as approachable and unintimidating as possible. There are no prerequisites for coaching. Uh, bring your disaster self and we will go from there. So try one thing.co. Awesome. And shameless testimony, like I booked a session with Kendall and honestly, like I had a lot of my steps and stuff lined up. I just needed that next step. So I know you had said like disasters and stuff, but even with folks who just need to know, okay, I've got all the ingredients. What's the step to baking the cake? Like coaching mm. helps so much because you see that one little piece like, oh, I forgot to preheat the oven. Man, now everything else is good to go. So yes, just definitely book Kindle. <laughs> awesome, Corey. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you all again for tuning in to another episode of Whiskey, Grits, and Honey. Kendall, thank you again for joining us for the first episode mm -hmm. this year. There are going to be plenty more episodes. I know we've made a list, so be ready. Yes. <laughs> yep. I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you all again, and stay tuned for the next episode.